2: Weekend, that is, of Results and Drama. So hit like and subscribe, all of you beautiful people in the House of Champions YouTube family. And let's get after it. Yes! What is up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Champions. I'm your host, Ian Joy, that's wearing a Jimmy Conrad Halloween costume. And I think I've really nailed this American accent. And I'm with two of the smartest and best-looking people I know, Nigel Rio Coker and Heath Pierce. And this is your weekend recap. Before we dive into all the top storylines from the biggest games around the world, Nigel... I heard you're making moves to come to New York City this upcoming week. Is that true or false? And if it's true, what do you have cooking for us?
3: I plead the fifth, but I may be in New York this week. Oh, yes, in my okay. old stumping ground. It
4: sounds like Nigel's hiding from a few people where he's saying, you know, <laughs> plead the fifth. Hey,
2: no, you know, <laughs> hey. but for some other people, I'm not going to be wait, in town. Can you, know? you plead the fifth if you're British? Is that, Does that work? How does that work?
3: I've got a green card, so I can't believe <laughs> it. Uh, okay, Good. Go. Me. Good, we're set, we're set, we're set, we're set.
2: We're set. <laughs> all right, well, we're excited to see that you're going to be in New York City, potentially, you know, if the rumor to- does turn out to be true, as the crew for the Champions League and everybody else that's joining the party is going live. We're talking Kate Abdu, Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher, Nigel Rio Coker, Ian Joy, amongst many, many others. It should be a lot of fun, so make sure you tune in for all of that coverage. All right, let's get after it, though. We just had a big game that finished as my Newcastle. ho way the lads! Let's go take down Spurs at Spurs' NFL Stadium. 2-1, to baby! Let's get after it. Nigel, I'm going to come back to you. What did you think of this result overall? Because Newcastle, I thought, looked pretty good for a good amount of this game.
3: Listen, when you look at that game, in reflection to what Newcastle's game plan is, where they want to be with the new investment they've got, the director of football Let's just say they're very, very ahead of schedule because that performance against Tottenham today is a statement performance. They were well in the game from start to finish. Tottenham started well, but to be a team in that kind of region, if you want to be one of these new top four teams, you've got to be able to withstand when a team starts well of that level and that calibre. They we stood it. They grew in the game. They had some great chances. And what I liked about Newcastle in the final third is the fact of they were very aggressive. They were very direct. They had an end product. Tottenham didn't have as well as good as end product in the final third in this game today. But for me, I think it's a well-deserved win for Newcastle. That is a statement win at the highest level, and it's an eye-opener because they've got a great, great team, and they're ahead of schedule, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I love that, and I love that insight. Newcastle now moving up to sixth, only three points behind Chelsea in fourth and then man united is hanging out in between them sandwiched in fifth heath let's talk about an MLS product named Miguel is that true? I think I think they're fourth right now, right? Or are they not? No, they're they're currently in sixth.
4: Oh maybe there's not a not an update. On it on this, update this for me.
2: Maybe yeah. they're in fourth. I, th- I think they're in fourth Ooh, at they're the right. Moment. You're right. They are in fourth, in fourth but fourth. they have a sorry about that everybody but they have a game in hands on on Chelsea and Manchester yeah, United. So that's yeah. but they're in fourth. 21 we'll points
3: take it. with Chelsea.
2: That's right. You're right. And then Tottenham are in third with 20 three. That's two straight losses for Spurs. We'll get into that in a sec, but let's focus on the Newcastle. Heath, let's talk about an MLS product named Miguel Omiron who has scored mm-hmm. more goals in the Premier League in the month of October than he scored in the all the last three seasons combined. <laughs> yeah, I was reading that he had four, four, and then he had only one last year.
4: let uh, you like just see fire. When you see when you see the form that he's in, the confidence, not only to, because we know he can run past people. We know he's good on the ball. We know he's explosive, but to be able to put that behind the goalkeeper, I think, is a really important next step of having that final product. You see so many players like Miguel Amarone that have so many uh, aspects of their game that are amazing, but you always wonder, like, when's that final product going to come? We saw that in Major League Soccer, but then since he went to a much more difficult league and in a much more difficult environment that final product of being able to put those balls away hasn't always been there uh, game in and game out. And the form that he's in is fantastic right now. And also, just the way that they're pressing of him being able to get the ball in much better spots is going to play much more to his advantage. The way that Newcastle presses to me is, is is really impressive at the moment in terms of just that complete buy-in from a team. Uh, and it's just completely changing the dynamic and the way in which they, they go about getting results.
3: Heath, what would you give the credit of his form to? Because obviously, before the season started there was a bit of criticism coming his way. The fact of his amount of games he's played, not really creating anything, not really scoring any goals. Who would you credit the form that Alvaron is, is in?
2: Jack Grealish. To? I'm going to jump in for Heath. It's Jack Grealish, Nigel, because he made that comment about how Riyad Mahrez was playing like Miguel Amiron and not doing a lot, having a lot of the ball, but not doing anything with it. And since then, he's been blowing up, Nigel. That is the truth. Why? Well, the other thing, by the
4: way, is I, I think you look at the project and you say Miguel Amiron was... was Assigning for the old days, right? He was assigning for the old Newcastle. And now he's a player that's seeing, oh man, this is actually something different of a a project that you can be part of and actually being part of the plans moving forward and being a key aspect of that. Obviously, he's streaky, he's in top form right now. Uh, Hopefully that continues for him. But we saw that consistently before he got there. The problem is, is now you get one, you know, you get three, four chances in Major League Soccer like he was getting. He's going to finish one of those. You get one chance in the Premier League in a difficult moment, in a difficult circumstances, under a lot of pressure with regard to where the team was in the table in previous years. And now he's almost seeing a, a different side of him because of the players I think he has around him and then his own self-confidence. What I'll I have what to I'll, say, say,
3: ahead. I'll give credit to Eddie Howe. I think Eddie Howe's played a Reed. big part in that because of how the team functions. I think with Alvaro now, what I'm seeing is a lot more controlled aggression. Like he's already been quick. He's already had the ability to beat players. But what I'm seeing now with, with just that ability as well, he's adding a bit of extra composure. And for me, that comes with confidence from a manager telling him, you're doing this, but this is what you need to do now. This is what you're going to be judged on. Scoring goals, getting assists. And you can see the confidence is high in him. The work rate's never been in question because he always worked hard whichever club he played for, whatever position. But now in the Premier League, he knows he, needs to show, he needs to show that extra bit of quality. And that is what he's doing. And you look at um, Jarlinton and Gilmares in that midfield there. That is a formidable midfield that Newcastle have. And I think Eddie Howe. Who is one of the top-rated British managers that we have, or English managers? I would say is it, showing why he's so highly regarded.
4: I, I would say, I that say Eddie, Eddie, Jimmy. We were. I gotta say, real quick, before we go any further, we were only six and a half minutes in before Nigel uh, had a funny pronunciation of a name again. What were those two players again? Go. Let's go back to those two players again. Joe Linton.
3: Yeah, that's uh-huh. good. And uh, what's wrong with Joe Linton? That's uh, how you say no, his no, name, Joe that's Linton. No, no, I uh, just good, want good, you to good, get well, to the well, next one. <laughs> 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 we say Gilmarish over here. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. There's an L I in that do. name?
4: Guimaraish. Wow, come on. Okay, we got it. Gimaraish
2: There's an L. You, you added an L in there, but it's fine. Uh, we're going we're yeah. to keep this thing moving. What I do like, and I wanted to say really quickly about Eddie Howe, he surpassed my expectations. The way he's managed big players, big names, brought them into the team, didn't start Bruno for a long time until they got he got settled and, and the team was ready for him to be inserted into the team. And obviously, he's a lock every time he steps. But what I really like and I think Arsenal has done this well, I'm just going to, done this as well, is they started to add a couple pieces and that's raised the game of everybody else. So all of a sudden, I know that Joe Linton dropped back into the midfield and he's been a revelation there, but all of a sudden, Sean Longstaff's playing a little bit better. You have Joe Willick, who's, who's starting to, you know, be more consistent, I would say, and that's what everybody expected from him. You have, you have Callum Wilson, who's always been a serviceable Premier League player, but he's still, he's raising his game to make sure he stays in the team. It's been really impressive to see guys that were maybe on the precipice of, are they going to be good? Are they not? And now they're finding their way. And there's a nice mesh. If I think of that, those superstars with the hard workers, and it's a nice blend right now. And I think Arsenal's found that magic as well. We'll talk a little bit about Arsenal a little bit later. But I want to get into Chelsea taking on Manchester United. Now, United, I thought, Nigel, had dominated the chances and most of the possession at Sanford Bridge. Marcus Rashford had a couple of chances. Uh, Anthony had a really good one that he pushed wide on that. But it looked like Jorginho was going to seal the deal with his penalty kick and and give United their fourth loss of the season. But Casemiro comes out of nowhere and scores on Kappa. That's the first time Kepa's given up a goal in 10-plus hours or something. They've been really impressive on the defensive side of the ball, maybe lacking a little bit going forward, Chelsea, that is. But I thought 1-1 was a fair result, given the amount of chances that United had created. Your thoughts on this game, Nigel?
3: It was a flattering result for Chelsea, 1-1. Let's be real, yeah. Manchester yeah. United were absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I think for me, that's the best performance I've seen from Manchester United this season. Even, obviously, I know they beat Liverpool at home, but that performance there, from start to finish, you can finally, I can't say I can sit there comfortably and criticise Manchester United to say they don't know what they're doing, they're a bunch of individuals, there's no direction. No. Eric Ten Hag is actually implementing a style, a system of play, where every player, finally, at Manchester United, looks like they know what they're doing, they know what their job consists of, and they're playing a high tempo and a high energy. Casemiro came in, um, I never questioned his quality. There's been some few people in England, some of the, how would they say, the old school footballers questioned his, uh, his ability and what he can bring to this Manchester United team and it's clearly there for all to see. He has been an absolute difference maker in that midfield, which they've been lacking for so long. A midfield general who knows how to play the game, defensive um, properties of the game and also the attacking sense. You see how he can get full now, he can be a threat, but he knows how to control the game of football in that midfield area
2: do, do, do you Nigel? i'm coming right back to you really mm. quick do you feel like united in the past were a little bit soft and now when you add players like casemiro the Martinez, Martinez i would say soft they got some more bite you know what i mean a little bit more bite yeah. in midfield
3: i think they've got a little bit more bite in midfield a little bit more presence because you know yeah, when we talk yeah. about the game Jimmy, you talk about the modern game right people say about oh he's an attacking midfielder or he's a defensive midfielder we don't talk about the old school midfielders are being box to box being able to do both jobs And that is what Casemiro can do. And it's the fact of he can control the pace of a game of midfield where everything goes through him. He can slow it down when he needs to, and he can speed up when he needs to. When you've got a midfield of that quality and you've got the right pieces around you, anything is possible. But I must say for me, I was more impressed with Manchester United's um, performance than anything else. I think they really are actually starting to look as a good team that can actually compete in the next year or so. Two things. My question is this: Will the board upstairs finally believe in a manager, or see a manager that actually is making great things happen with the players he has there? Will they back him to get quality players that he wants and he feels will fit the puzzle that he's trying to build at Manchester United? Is my biggest thing. Am I if I want to say to Heath, please tell me you enjoyed the moment of coaching where it was like a chess piece when. Graham Potter made a substitute so early on in a Manchester United counter. How did you see that aspect of the game with the changes that were being made in the real-life game action?
4: Well, look, the reality is, is if, if I was subbed out in the first half, Graham Potter is probably the only one I'd be okay with because he's he's doing it for a reason, right? It's tactical reasons. You get subbed out in the first half historically, something's really wrong, right? Like yeah. there is something really wrong individually. But tactically, you're seeing that difference. And now Manchester United had to go and make that difference. The only thing, the other thing I wanted to say, which I think is amazing, right? To just think differently about the game. And I'd mentioned this before of, of um, Graham Potter playing out of his back and putting his center backs uh, before wide of of the eight uh, of the box to be able to play out to draw the defenders further up the field using 10 more 10 more meters in their own half to be able to create space in behind the and sec- uh, in, in the other half it's just like a you think about it and you go wow you're putting yourself at risk but that that just innovative thinking i think is really really uh, important but the other thing i wanted to say is with on with regard to casemiro is how much better he's making christian eriksen we're seeing Christian Eriksen, the two of them just having this understanding of how a midfield should operate is changing the way that 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 they're able to break lines uh, uh, through passing, the way that they're able to hold lines defensively, and it's just that sort of understanding of two experienced players finding ways to support and and make each other better. I think was a, another important aspect of of just Casemiro's value isn't always going to be when you see him on the ball or making the play. There's other things that he's doing that's making players around him good as well, which I think is leading. Uh, Man United in the right direction.
3: He just to add to that, Jimmy, quickly, Heath's 100% right, because you know what I can compare that to? Kante and Paul Pogba for France for the World Cup. Just the perfect balance of Conte being the ball winner, destroying play, Pogba having more freedom to know that he's got Conte who can cover for him and do everything he needs to do defensively to give him more freedom to create things and make things happen and put his responsibility on scoring goals, making things happen. When you get that perfect balance there, like Heath just said there, that's when you're into something absolutely amazing. And again, you can see the difference with what Casemiro did for Real Madrid, playing alongside Modric and those type of players and why they were so successful.
2: Yeah, it's really... There's a lot to talk about and unpack, I think, with this performance from Manchester United. Also because they're on the heels of this Cristiano Ronaldo situation. And it Eric Ten Hag is putting his stamp on this team and you're seeing it both off the field and on the field. And there's a consistency. There's a there's a straight line now that you can see their growth and their progress. And it should be very pleasing to the Manchester United fan. Even though they didn't get the full three points, I think there's a lot to to like here. For Chelsea, Grant Potter still hasn't lost as manager. So that's something to uh, hang your hat on. But it didn't look like the greatest performance. And to give some people some context, if you didn't see this game, Mark Kukurea. Started and came off in the 36th minute. So they brought in Mateo Kovacic, who kind of helped solidify their midfield because they were getting a little bit yeah, overrun. They went with from just... a,
3: like a, a back three to a back four, basically, yeah. to be a bit more comfortable because Manchester right. United were dominating in the center of the pitch. And then they put another player in the midfield area just to try and compete a bit more. And it just goes to show the beauty of the game. And that's what I love, where people don't realize how much football has evolved now, where Kukurea got taken off. But we all knew it was a tactical substitution. It wasn't anything about his performance. It's just how the modern game has moved on now, where if a manager can see something happening, that's what you want a manager like that that's proactive, reading the game in the moment. You can plan as much as you want, but things change once you cross that white line. And you want managers like that, that are being proactive to say, right, we need to change these things before we go a goal or two behind. And it's a completely different scenario for what we prepared for. So I give credit to both managers for the changes they made.
2: Yeah, 100%. And also, Kukureya played for Graham Potter at Brighton, so there probably is already an existing relationship, personal relationship. Yeah, yeah, which already can help. Hey, this isn't personal. Don't take it personally. And all, all the points that you mentioned, Nigel, thank you for saying that. The only bad news for Manchester United is that Rafael Varane went off the field crying. So he has an injury. They're saying it's just a few weeks right now. Eric Ten Hag didn't want to make any big sweeping uh, generalizations of how long he was going to be out, but now he's at risk of maybe missing the World Cup with France, very similar to N'Golo Conte, who's out for a few months. For Chelsea and France as well, so news to keep an eye on if you're a French national team fan or if you support Man United, because now Lindelof is in, which means you're one step closer to starting Harry Maguire again. And I don't think anybody wants that. They're looking pretty good without that guy in the team. All right, there's a lot to. By the way, Jimmy, Jimmy. By the way, last what, thing. What? We're gonna move. We're gonna move on from this. But
4: a, a lot of this innovation is coming from the innovation of the rules, right? The substitutions in the first half would generally never happen when you had three subs to use. Like that would be a huge risk. Point. But now you have three intervals and five subs. You're able to make that early sub and say, Hey, something's not working. We need to keep ourselves in the game. And then you've got two windows and four other substitutions you can make later on in the game. So I think that That's willingness to point. adapt to the modernization of the game is, is, is really important and using it not just to say, Oh yeah, I need to rotate my players and more substitutions, but say, Hey, I'm going to find the loopholes in this system as well. I know what it's built for, but now I can make a first half sub. It's not, if it's not working.
2: No,
3: I think it's it's a great it's point. A fa- it's and, a fantastic point, Heath. Hundred percent.
2: Yeah, and I think it. I think that's better for the game that a manager does have that in his back pocket to use without maybe suffering using it too early. If there was only three subs, so I like that a lot. All right, there's a lot to get into. We obviously want to cover all the big games from around the top five leagues in Europe in particular, and maybe touch upon MLS playoffs that are happening today. Make sure you tune into those if you have a chance. But let's go to three things from the Premier League. So, Heath, I'll come to you first. Any any game or games that stood out for you? Any players, managers? What do you want to highlight from the Premier League?
4: Uh, I'd like to highlight the Fulham game. Fulham looked uh, very good against Leeds. Leeds, again, showing moments. And, you know, I've been on this theme for the last month about Leeds that they've got this system that's building. You can see it getting better and longer stretches throughout the game. But ultimately, the theme that's being built is that they get to the 60th minute and they can no longer sustain whatever they were doing. And it's a, a, a case of some sort of virus in their defense that somebody shuts off in big moments and they get punished over and over it's on set pieces i mean i mean the third goal the third goal in this game came from a throw-in where they were organized with players around it being able to set up defensively against a throw-in towards the corner and it was just a missed tackle that goes to a player bad one-on-one defending and then they're able to put that game to bed but fulham on the other hand you know, uh, with regard to at least my perspective of Tim Ream not being good enough, he played in a few different situations today where he was higher up the pitch. He was deeper on the field. His passing is fantastic. He seriously deserves an argument for for the, uh, for the a call-up to the national team. Whether it happens or not, Anthony Robinson, again, a bad moment early on, but was very good going forward and, and helping the team get the result. And then on the flip side, no Tyler Adams, uh, but Leeds, I'm worried about Jesse Marsh right now. They don't look like a good team. They have windows and stretches, and when the energy's high it almost reminds me of the chaos that Leeds were before Jesse Marsh, right? Which, when the energy's high, it's amazing. When the, And when the wind is blowing in their direction, it's fantastic. But the moment they hit that wall, they don't seem to have any answers. They don't seem to have the quality of player that's going to keep them in games. Tyler, uh, Brendan Aronson is not selfish enough to take the chances that he needs. He's looking to set up other players. And then... And then when they go down, they just look a completely different team, like they've got this giant mountain to climb,
2: and the body language of Jesse Marsh is showing it right now. Now, Nigel, I want to get your thoughts on Jesse Marsh in particular, but I want to say these stats first. Uh, Leeds are winless in their last eight Premier League games, four consecutive Premier League defeats, two points from the last 24 available. They're now into the bottom three. They have the joint lowest Premier League points on nine. They're two points from safety now. And when I read out the last eight games, it's Brighton, Everton, Brentford, Aston Villa. Teams they. Should, in theory, get points against. Uh, Crystal Palace. Okay, Arsenal. Maybe not that one, but they did get a point out of that one. Actually played probably the best out of all those eight games. Leicester and Fulham. If you're not getting points from those games, you only got two out of 24 from those opponents, it's not looking good for you the rest of the way. And we are big Jesse Marsh stands here. And and Heath and I are both friends with him. But results are results. and, And this is what the business is built on.
3: I love Jesse's uh, enthusiasm and, and, and what he's about and what he's brought to the game. But if Jesse didn't know that the Premier League is a results business, then he should have never got into it because it is a results <laughs> business. That's the sad thing. And, and, I, know, and I know he knows this. He's not, he's, not a, 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 he's not dumb. He's a very intelligent man. So he knew there's going to be a lot of pressure taking this job, especially Leeds United. I mean, whether they're going to stick with him and give him maybe another game or two, you hope so. So I they think got, they got Liverpool, Liverpool
2: next at Anfield, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, listen, <laughs> Liverpool. Listen, did you not that's see true. what that's true. That's true. That's true. Come that's on, Liverpool's not invincible
3: that's no more. Yeah, I think true. for me, everything that he said is right. But when I look at Leeds right now, and you combine the results, the biggest word that comes to my mind is confidence. I think confidence is going down because it's easy to have a manager that's positive, like Jesse Marsh and you know, getting the lads round up, and you can see that he's a manager that's for his players. But the biggest thing you need in these situations, and you guys have experienced it yourself, you need characters in the dressing room. If Jesse doesn't have no characters that can go and represent him on the pitch, it's going to be very difficult because you need those characters to stand up in moments like this, where managers can say what he wants, do what he wants, but it's the pride of the characters, the personality of these individual players. If you have three or four of them in your team, you can bounce back out of this. And the only thing I look at right now, like you said, the performance is good. You get a bit of lapse of concentration, which is where characters is very important for the characters to identify those players who are more likely to have a lapse in concentration and going for 90 minutes. And also the characters were important to getting players to believe themselves in the final third and have an end product to make something happen. When you don't have those characters, you're going to struggle. And I think right now, what I look at this Leeds team, I think confidence is going to get worse. And the last thing that doesn't play into his hands, Aston Villa just sacked Steven Gerrard. And Aston Villa yes. won four 0 today.
2: Well, that's what I, I'm going to segue now into what your big three things are, or any things that you want stand out for you, uh, Nigel. And and Aston Villa scored as many goals in 14 minutes today against Brentford after Steven Gerrard, uh, at, as in the previous six games with him as manager, which is crazy. They scored as many goals in 14 minutes as in the previous six games. Do you feel like I, I, I guess there is some some similarities there with Jesse and and because Patrick Bamford's gotten a couple great opportunities. For, for leads. And, and I want confidence you to talk more is about Villa, but it, confidence is, is crazy. But Jesse can't go out there and finish these chances. But Steven Gerrard, I felt like there was a difference is that Danny Ings started today for Villa. And I know they're a team that you wanted to talk about. And then maybe a little bit about the Arsenal as well. Well, you, Take listen, it away. you
3: guys saw that, right? I think, listen, they sacked Steven Gerrard. Again, the same just smart manager, played the game, knows the game. He knew what the pressures that come with being a Premier League manager. The reaction today, I'm honestly gobsmacked. That has been Villa's best performance. And let's not just say that they won 4-0 today and it was just like a lucky win or, you know, when they... No, they dominated a very good, organized, difficult to beat brentford team from start to finish. What I saw, to very, very simplifying it, um, Jimmy and Heath, players were out there playing. They wanted to play. They played with passion. They played with freedom. They played with desire. They played everything... Like they're supposed to play for Villa, but obviously without Gerard being there. It wasn't rocket science because these are the same players, but they just played with greater freedom. The biggest difference between today's performance and all the other performances is this. A coach who's there, and I know some people at Villa, very good coach in charge right now, doesn't really want to be a manager, wants to be a coach and stick in that zone where I feel some people have to understand just because certain players are legendary players, doesn't necessarily that mean they can translate to become legendary managers. It's a different mindset. It's a different um, responsibility and attributes that are needed to become a good manager. And for me, Villa's performance today was absolutely fantastic from a tactical sp- uh, standpoint. They used the width, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. Steven Gerard made them play very narrow, trying to force balls into Coutinho. He didn't play today. They couldn't get him into the game. Teams snuffled him out in the middle of the pitch, used to beat Villa. There was no plan B. Today, they used the width. You see how wide they played. Ashley Young was on the Mm touchline. They were mm -hmm. playing so wide, getting balls in the box, opening teams up by using the width. And they dominated Brentford from start to finish. And just to relate to what we were just speaking about, that's a scary thing if you're Jesse Marsh. Because Leeds owners will be looking at that. Villa mm-hmm. just got rid of their manager and look at the the reaction from the players. Mm-hmm. So that's something that can be in the back of their mind. But I think that was a great performance by Villa. Their best performance of the season today was shown when their players have gone out there with greater freedom to express themselves
2: all right, well, Southampton and Arsenal, I want both of you guys to chime in on this game because Arsenal were on top of the table previous or prior to this weekend, starting by four points. But now they dropped. Two against Southampton It ended one-one. We saw Granit Xhaka score. The guy's been on fire this season. He has as many Premier League goals this season as he had in the previous three seasons combined. What an absolute legend! Definitely joining in on the attack, and obviously they're finding him in good spots to to make things happen. Heath, I'll come to you because Arsenal is your favorite squad. Do you feel like it was two wait, drop points here? Wait, wait, he's an Arsenal fan? Yeah
3: true story oh, whisper that quietly mate <laughs> yeah you know no, it's, it's one like. of
2: those things
4: where i, I, I i've goona. learned i've learned you, to be you quiet look like
3: I've... The gooner as well Heath. that's the thing you've got the yeah. face that fits a gooner. School oh, okay. educated a face worth uh, punching a face worth doesn't punching, punching like, huh? doesn't like yeah. no grass or stains on his shirt yeah. on his yeah. Head yeah. Head yeah. no
4: no 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 team kits and on the uh, on the suite levels of the stadium you know what i mean like you gotta, you gotta dress uh in civilian civilian clothing um but look when when I when I look at Arsenal, not a great performance for them uh, in this one. They started well. Back, started but, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and they controlled a lot a lot of the, the the tempo of the game. But this is what's going to be the challenge for them is when you look at I'm talking specifically about a Premier League uh, fight is you need to be able to get results even when you give up goals late. If you look at the way City has done it, if you look at the way Liverpool have done it, they're always in matches until the 90 plus minute and they're creating chances and they're just leaning on teams, especially when things get chaotic. That's when these big teams be able to rise to the occasion. When I look at last year, Arsenal dropped, I think five of their losses came against lower half of the table teams. They need to be able to get results on those. And even if you're up one or down one, they need to be able to find ways uh, to create those goals. Now, this is just uh, they've got one draw. They've got one loss on the season, so it's nothing to to really complain about. But it is an opportunity to look at the situation and say, hey, if you want to be a Premier League uh, champion, you have to be able to get out of these types of matches against a team that does have
3: vulnerabilities with all three points. Heath, the Arsenal fan, is completely <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen. He, he's a good It hurts him talking about his team like that. But he's right. I think consistency is the big thing. They have to get points against these teams. And that's something that I said about Arsenal earlier on in a few different conversations that I have had, that it's good that they can lift themselves for the North London derby, get the result against Tottenham and that, you know, they could beat um, some of the big boys that they're going to be coming up against, that they're ready for that level. But it's not those teams that is going to worry about Arsenal. It's the Southamptons. It's when they play the Wolves, the Leicester, it's those type of clubs that they need to get results in. And I think that it's all great now. We've been giving Arsenal a lot of compliments so early on in the season. Every club's going to go through a difficult patch. As the season progresses, every club will have a difficult patch of results that don't go right. How are Arsenal going to react? Is this the start of Arsenal's patch of reactions for a patch of results that may not favor go their favourably way? And also, Heath, being an Arsenal fan, Gabriel Jesus has been a-, a catalyst for this Arsenal squad, but he's not looking as sharp as he did at the start yeah. of the season. Yeah, had one or two chances where he'd put in the back of the net. So that yeah. can be a bit of a worry as well.
2: Mm -hmm. No, that's definitely something for them to consider. And as we've seen with clubs all around Europe and around the world, if you're not scoring and taking your chances, uh, it could come back to bite you. And we saw that a little bit with Arsenal. All right, I'm going to give you my one thing. Then we'll do a little whip around of all the other scores. We'll get to our first break, and then we'll talk about all the other links that are happening. I am going with Nottingham Forest with a big shock 1-0 win over the mighty Liverpool, or maybe not so mighty Liverpool. Now, the Reds have already lost more times in the Premier League this campaign than the whole of all of last season. That's they played 11 times already this season and they've already lost more than they did all last year. That's crazy. And I feel like the last seven days seem like a good indication of how this Liverpool season is going in the Premier League. Because last week they beat Manchester City and I thought they were the deserved winners. They were up for it. You saw shades of them at their peak form. And this week it just a slow start. I feel like they lacked a little bit of tempo. Uh, some iffy defending, which is a bit of a hallmark for them this particular season. Some of the midfield protection, I thought, could have been a little bit better. Just too easy, ultimately, for a team that should know better, has the core to make it happen. But I do want to say that they also had good opportunities to score and didn't take those chances. And if Virgil van Dyke had a clear header in the first half, if he scores that, it takes some pressure off. If they had another chance, I can't remember who had it, that if they they bury it, then it's 2 nothing. they're in complete control, and then you get to see a little bit more. They're not taking their chances, then they're having those lapses in concentration that's hurting them the other way and now we got this liverpool team nigel i'll go to you i really want your thoughts on this very quickly on liverpool i wh- what do you expect out of that i don't think they're t- i don't really think they're going to challenge for the title
3: no, a, no a top four? Out of title it has race. to be a destination okay they're, they're out of the title race they've got a squad good enough to finish in the top four for sure but they're out of the title race and i just think that this is what you've got to get used to for the rest of the season for liverpool if you're a liverpool fan get used to this unpredictability. That's, that's just the reality of it. Some games, they'll be good. And it goes to say, conversation we just had earlier, it's easy to lift yourself up as a player to play Manchester City because these players know what's at stake. It's the world's biggest game right now, rivalry rise because of the two informed teams. They lifted themselves up at home, got the results. But this is the game where you need to lift yourselves up again against Nottingham Forest. Creativity was lacking. Again, we continue to see how important Saudi Emane was to this Liverpool team but they haven't been able to replace Saudi Imani for the type of player he was and what he brought to Liverpool. But I just think them being very unpredictable and inconsistent is something that we should really understand. This is what we're going to see for Liverpool for the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, it's got to be frustrating if you are a Liverpool fan because you can see it. They've got it all there. They've done it in the past and still can't figure out a way to to get that consistency that I think they're looking for. All right, rest of the scores. uh, Manchester City taking down. That was Brighton 3-1. Erling Holland had a brace. It makes it look easy. Ederson hit a dime, honestly, like he was an NFL quarterback to a wide receiver for a a deep touchdown on on one of their goals. It was excellent. Everton beat Crystal Palace 3-0. Nice to see Everton get a comprehensive win. We had Chelsea 1-1 with Man United, as we talked about. Villa did beat Brentford 4-0. Leicester with a big win away from home against Wolves. James Madison has now scored. He scored in this one got 10 goals in his last 14 Premier League games still can't get a sniff with the English national team that is insane and that kind of rounds it up Arsenal 1-1 with Southampton away from home and Newcastle with the big win against Tottenham 2-1 yeah
3: I'm gonna say say something to you today you guys might laugh I heard a little rumor I don't know how true it is but it was out there put out by one of the big sports networks ever that Steven Gerrard might be in contention to be the next England manager what? What? Really? What, 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 how, yeah. How, what, what, how,
2: how? How would you feel about that? I mean, it's not like he crushed it. He did well at Rangers.
3: It makes no sense. How? How can you be sacked from Aston Villa without having without having a great record and then being contentious to be the England manager? I just it's think called it's,
2: failing it's, upwards. You, you, you're it's falling laughable. upwards, whatever.
3: It's laughable.
2: It is laughable. All right, we're gonna take our first and only break of the House of Champions. When we come back, we're gonna dig into all the other leagues around the world. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to House of Champions. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Nigel Rio Coker and Heath Pierce. I'm filling in for Ian Joy. Great to see everybody. Hit like and subscribe if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. Now let's go to what I think is the most wide open league in the world. Serie A is unbelievable and it seems to change what? who's going to be on top.
3: Whoa, 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 whoa. Jimmy. What? The Premier League is wide open mate. Let's yeah. not look. Come on. The Premier League what? is wide open. Okay, maybe over the last
4: few big. years, over Come the last on. couple of seasons, Jimmy, I'll give you that, right? Last couple yeah. seasons, uh, okay. most wide open. I, I don't know well, maybe not this season. Everything's wide open this year. I, I, I mean, listen, Union Berlin's
3: in first place in the Bundesliga. Exactly. exactly. There you go. Come on. Give you him that smoke. We
4: know it's going. That smoke.
3: Listen, on. Jimmy, I don't But the old lady in Italy, isn't the old lady like the old lady's not good anymore, All right, You understand that? The Old lady's not there no more.
2: I got you. I got you. But both Milan clubs won the last two seasons. So, I mean, I don't know. The Juve hasn't been there for a while. But they did have a big 4-0 win over Empoli. That was a much-needed win at home. And I don't know if that's going to take that much pressure off of Maxi Allegri, but better if they got a draw or a loss. I'm going to whip through some of these results. AC Milan 4-1 over Mansa, the recently promoted Mansa that's being run by the old owners of AC Milan. That is uh, Silvio Berlusconi. little Boonga Boonga time for all of you out there. And Galliani, who helped build all those great AC Milan teams. And is uh, just not there yet. But they're going to have the investment. And obviously, they got the right people in charge to get back and be a force to be reckoned with in the future. But right now, Milan looked excellent. I don't know if you guys watched this game. Brahim Diaz scored two goals. Little number 10 is he's just taking the world by storm. He's already got more goals this season than he had at all any point last season. So it's great to see him getting involved. The other Milan club, Inter... Against Fiorentina, that game went back and forth. Inter ended up winning it in the very last minute, four to three, and uh, that was a much-needed win for Inter and Simone Inzaghi in particular. Lautaro Martinez continues to impress. He just signed a one, a new one-year deal to extend his stay at Inter. He wants to be an Inter legend, he says. So that was uh, a good result. Lazio beat Atalanta today. That was Atalanta's first loss of the season, and Lazio did it without Chiro, the hero Boble up top who's their top scorer and has been for many, many years. So that was a really impressive performance. And then for them to get a clean sheet away from home. Also, Roma versus Napoli is being played. We're, we're, we're taping this before kickoff, so we can't really talk about that. But uh, Nigel, I'll come to you. Any of those games that I talked about, any players you want to talk about in Serie A that have really impressed you this past weekend?
3: I'm not going to lie to you. I've got a crush on Napoli right now. And <laughs> Napoli is, is my team I love just that. because of how they approach the game of football. So it's mainly Napoli results I'm focused on, if I'm honest, Jimmy, mate. I, I really fair. Think, Amazing that hope, Nigel I, I likes really the team that's in that first they, place yeah, in, in yeah, the league a, that he says is the most. What a, what a glory. Player. Player. No, 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 Nigel's no, no. such a glory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was one of the few people who picked <laughs> Napoli to do well in the Champions League as well and to beat Liverpool in their opening night. And then everyone now is jumping on the Napoli train. I always said, you know <laughs> what? I like go. this
4: Napoli Oh, We're starting the this could be Napoli's year again for the seventh year in a row, huh?
3: Yeah, hey, this, that's yeah what they look like. good. <laughs> they look good this they year. They do look good. I'll, I'll give you. Me, I will give you that. Is, Heath, this break, this winter break for a winter World Cup, is going to do them so well. I think they're already cruising in the Champions League. They've got great players already. They've got a good squad, and what's exciting as well is with some of their starters have been missing in recent games in Serie A. The the, the obvious substitutes and stuff have played games, and they've been doing well as well. Which goes to show how much of a well coached team they are, regardless of who comes in. Everyone knows what's expected of them and their job. And Osman is back and he looks absolutely formidable.
2: Yeah, I mean, Napoli is incredible. And I'm very curious to see how they do in Rome, because as we know, Rome as Roma is managed by Jose Mourinho, who is known for eh, making things not look as aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, because he looking at Napoli the same way we are, is probably going to try to in the hatches and yeah, not allow them yeah. any space, you know? Jose
3: cannot coach that team to sit back against this Napoli side. This Napoli side is going to be relentless. And the thing is, even if you sit back, you get Cuellar, uh, Cuellar. Oh my god! Just say Cavara He's the Georgian Messi. <laughs> the Georgian just, Messi. The Georgian yeah. Messi. The Georgian Messi. You put him in one-on-one situations in your final third. He's going to run at you entirely Not. not. Like, you can't just say sit back. He's going to be happy to be doing that all game long in the final third. Yeah, I will you say this I, though,
4: Nigel. Go uh, ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's, uh, I can't wait for them to get through this winter break. And they've got to play against Inter Milan January 4th, away from home, to kick to kick off that second part of the season after this long break. And we're going to find out if Napoli
2: has the goods for the second half of the season going on that run.
3: 100 yeah. percent It's going to be interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Na- what
2: I like about Napoli is they've got 13 different goal scores so far in Serie A. Yeah. I think that really speaks to how they can hurt you in so many different ways. Okay, you want to shut down the Georgian Messi Cavara on one side. Politano, Raspadori, they got Labotka or Zielinski bombing from midfield. Anguissa's been
3: excellent as well. Anguissa's been absolutely excellent. Excellent. He was not the same player I saw at Fulham. He's he's been a man transformed.
2: Yeah, so it's been uh, really impressive to see, and obviously we're excited about that result. Really impressed with both Milan clubs for different reasons. Nice to see Inter kind of fight back against a a good, tough Fiorentina team that had been having trouble scoring goals. They had nine goals leading into the Inter game. They scored three against them we'll see if they can kick on and, and do something a little bit more positive with their season and this this league though is wide open let me just read you the top of the table on this now again Napoli are on top they haven't played their game today so they've only played 10 the rest have played 11 Napoli has 26 points Milan's tied with them on 26 Lazio 24 Atalanta 24 Roma on 10 10 games as well 22 Udinese another big results uh this weekend 21 Inter on 21 and uh, I, I should say Udinese lost. So that's a big result the other direction. But uh, they've been very, very good. Juve's in eighth. So they got a lot of work to do, to Nigel's point, at the very beginning. All right, let's move over to Spain and talk a little La Liga. Because Carlo Ancelotti came out, the manager of Real Madrid, Nigel, and said that this might be the best ever team that he's ever managed. And this, that's, that's pretty big. That's because a statement. He's had, that is a statement. And, they, and about, they did it.
3: Think about Ancelotti, guys, and the players he has managed. He managed the Ronaldo who for me, I don't care what anyone says to this day, is the greatest number nine Mm -hmm. to have played the world football. Like the greatest number nine. And he's saying this team. But again, Jimmy, you know it as well. I've said it a lot about Real Madrid, about this season. They're going about their business quietly. And what I like about Real Madrid, people can get angry about them, but they do their business right. They recruit so well. They've got a plan and a system in place. Any manager that goes there, Can't go to Real Madrid and say, oh, I need this player. I need this player. I need this player. No, because Real Madrid already have the best in every position, in every requirement for whatever any manager wants. It just goes to show whether you're a good manager or not to be able to manage that Real Madrid side. They've got some of the best young players in world football right now. And for me, I hope a certain Jude Bellingham joins them and goes there and doesn't go to to Chelsea. And as much as he's English (laughs) and British... I hope he goes to Real Madrid because the young side that they've got right now, they're going to be dominant in not just the La Liga but also the Champions League for a good five or six years coming.
2: Yeah, it's it's incredible. But we could also argue: do they need Jude Bellingham? They got Chouameny, they got Camavinga. I mean, hey, this is, it Modric, must be nice.
3: Modric, Modric is as, as, Cruz, as, Cruz, as Cruz, sensational yeah. as he is, and Cruz—they're coming to it right now. I think you look at that that midfield right now: that midfield of Modric, Chouameny, and Cruz. That's the best midfield in world football. I can't yeah. think of another midfield from any team around the world that can compete with those three there. You get Jude Bellingham coming in as well now. That's just Real Madrid. Yeah, just lights up. The of and, and I mean, we Jude Bellingham in a second. Yeah. Go ahead.
4: But, but yeah, I mean, my my, my thoughts on this are we, we we just spent five minutes opening the show talking about Casemiro. And no one's talked about Casemiro leaving Real Madrid. We talked about his, his, how good he is yeah. at, at Man United and that just yep. shows you the depth that they have obviously we got Fede Valverde they've got so much quality when when if you go back 5 6 years ago when everything was about La Masia falling apart and and Man City building you know starting to steal some of the young talent out of Spain to, to get into there Brahim Diaz being an example of that now at AC Milan going to Man City Real Madrid started taking a lot of these young players and building this pipeline of of the future now they've been able to extract as much uh, lemonade uh, out of the lemons of their older players. But now you're seeing sort of that next generation. Like Nigel said, you add one or two more pieces every season for the next three seasons. The Fede Valverde is 24. He's got plenty of yep. time left in him. Right. And then you start adding the next, next generation of players. And it just seems like a really well, uh, well planned and well executed plan.
2: Yeah, what's interesting is that Real Madrid won 3-1 to one, to give everybody the result over Sevilla. Sevilla oh, yeah. team that's trying to refine their identity under Jorge Sampaoli after getting rid of Julian Lopetegui. So they were up for it. They looked like they were ready to battle, but Madrid did it without Benzema this weekend. They had Rodrigo playing the nine. Vinicius was excellent, had two assists in this particular game, and Fede Valverde, again, three straight games with a goal. Tony Cruz came out after this game and said that Fede Valverde is one of the top three midfielders in the world which is heady, heady praise, I would say. How, no, how
3: can you How can you disagree with that? You can't. Right? You, you have can't. to be watching him to see what he's doing. He really I, is. There's not really that many that can compete with him. I'm sorry. For what I don't think doing, I'd
4: ever disagree with anything that Tony Cruz Tony. says. Because like, <laughs> uh, like, if he's going to say it, you're like, well, you know, it's how am I going to disagree with hard. that? Yeah, it's exactly. hard to argue against that. <laughs> yeah. It's hard
3: to. But I, I think, listen, I think overall for me, guys, I just think that What they do at Real Madrid, you've got to give praise to it. It's just the way the club is so structured in identifying talent, getting talent in. You've never heard Real Madrid say, oh, we need to do a rebuilding process. It's going to take two or three years. They've built something so great that the fans know there's never going to be a situation where, oh, we need to rebuild and do this and do that. No, there's structure behind everything they do. And it's just such a well-run club. And for me, they just keep getting the best talent out there. And I think for me, True Mini in a year or two will be a player that we talk about again of being one of the best midfielders in world football, and it's phenomenal. You just have to give credit when it's due. All
2: right, we're going to do a whip around of all the other leagues. I'm going to give all the top stories from from different things that have happened, and then you guys can can give me your best one that you want, and then we'll tie this up with a nice little bow. We could obviously talk the beautiful game all day because that's what we love. The most I do want to say that Atletico Madrid went to Real Betis and got a big result, and Antoine Griezmann scored two goals. One was an Olympico. If you haven't seen it, go find it online. A pretty ridiculous goal, which Olympico for everybody that doesn't know is scoring straight from a corner kick. A Mallorca beat Valencia away from home. That was probably the biggest shock result. Valencia had been doing pretty well under Gennaro Gattuso, but let's move over to the Bundesliga, where from at least from an American perspective, it's nice to see Gio Reyna score for Borussia Dortmund in their four, excuse me, five-zero win over. Stuttgart, that's the first time that Gio Arena scored in 421 days, and it couldn't have come at a better time as we get closer to the World Cup, of course, and I can't wait for him to dunk on England. Yeah, I said it, Nigel. And then, and then, we had Jude Bellingham score two in this one. Excellent. The guy, every time oh, I watch oh, Jude... Jude
3: scored two, right? Yeah, yeah, he scored two. Okay, just checking. Jude scored two. Checking. Just, <laughs> just checking, fair. mate. Jude I, scored I, two. Just, I just
2: casually threw that in there. I forgot, you know, he plays for England. He could probably try to dunk on us as well. Yeah. But Jude <laughs> Bellingham, every time I watch him play, I feel like he gets better. Every time I see him, I'm like, God, he just got better than, I just he's saw phenomenal. him last week and he's even better this time around. Uh, good result from them. We saw uh, Bayern Munich with a big 2-0 win uh, away from home against Hoffenheim. So they're starting to gain ground now on Union Berlin who lost this past weekend against Bochum. So now Bayern's only one point behind Union at the top. Freiburg in third, Eintracht in fourth. We go over to League 1 in France. Uh, Messi and Mbappe combined with goals and assists Go watch all those highlights. Those goals were fantastic.
3: I oh, think the big, big result though, was Marseille lost. I wish we could lost. show that goal. I really wish we could I show wish that we could goal show... live right now and it air, Jimmy. That goal was just absolutely beautiful. That was football in motion. That was just poetry of how yeah. that goal scored. It was just fantastic to see it, that goal.
2: It was unbelievable. Another unbelievable result was Benfica going away from home against Porto. Uh, there was was, Yeah, Porto lost 1-0. But they got a, a double yellow for Steven Istakiao who I think I said that right, Heath. He plays for Canada, and he got double yellow 28th minute. Pretty rare to see a ref give a double yellow for Porto at home at the Dragão, but that definitely impacted the game. Finally, in the 73rd minute, Rafa scored for Benfica, and they got a big one result. So Benfica's on top of the table, uh, 28 points, six points ahead of Porto. And Braga, who are tied for second. to I think the big result was Groningen getting a 4 2 win over PSV with Ricardo Pepe scoring again. That's another one for you to be worried about, Nigel. Ricardo Pepe, choo choo, the train is coming for England on November 25th. Let's go. Hey, so hope, that's, But also, Jimmy, uh, Florian Belogan scored
3: uh, another one or two. We haven't two brought over him weekend, in though yet. You know? uh, No, but he, can yet. Play for, he,
4: he wants to play for Jimmy. England. Jimmy. This is what I'm bringing it up to Nigel.
3: Jimmy. Let's let them continue to do it domestically because doing it at international level, it's a whole different game. <laughs> With 78,000 right. right. people watching in a World Cup in tournament football, it's a whole different pressure.
2: I can't wait for uh, Jude Bellingham to not score against Iran in the first match day for England because yeah, he's frustrated
3: right. by the <laughs> I think, I think you forget a great Harry Kane that we have as well. He and did. Arahan he scored Sterling a set goal in the Premier League. I got Jack it. Sure, sure. And, uh, Jack Realish. You know. Come on. He's
2: only got one goal, and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what happened I mean, to that guy? Yeah, what happened? He's fell off. <laughs> I call him James Madison at this point. He seems more impactful than, than anything that Grealish is doing. All right, let's go to final thoughts for you. Nigel, I'll come to you first. Anything you want to touch upon? Any leagues that I discussed that you haven't mentioned so far? Go for it.
3: No, I, just, I think it's a great game of football. I think it's going to be interesting as we head into, obviously, this week of Champions League competition, and I think we're going to see a lot of indifferent results, but I think clubs are going to be very interesting to see what teams they play and what players get to play this week. For the ones that have already qualified for the next stage, and the ones that are very desperate in need of getting a result. Okay,
2: Heath, how about you? Final
3: thoughts.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, Union Berlin lost their first match. Kind of crazy, dating back yeah. to like last season, which is which is a wild concept uh, to think about. But now uh, all is well or all is right back in the Bundesliga again with uh, that loss. Bayern Munich now have the ability to probably win the rest of the season not lose another game and then win by 26 points and wrap this thing up by March 5th.
3: Um, But yeah, (laughs) I love
0: that. I love
3: the honesty. It's going to be a buy and run. They finally (laughs) turned it on now. I think they've woken up to say we want to win the title now. It is crazy though.
4: By Bayern have I think drawn four times and lost once the season so far, which is very uncharacteristic for like eleven matches into the season. But they just look at the people in and around them towards the top of the table and they go, "Yeah, we're not that worried." You know, Union Berlin's not yeah. going to run away with this. Leicester City happens once every hundred years.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. We should basically just crown Bayern champions before the season <laughs> even starts. That's how <laughs> I'm easy PSG it is. Well. That, yeah, yeah uh, that's PSG. true. Congrats there, to them there as, another well. One as well. <laughs> yeah, congrats to PSG. You guys have had a hell of a season. All right, my final thought is that the next podcast is a Champions League preview for Match Day 5, and that'll be coming up next in your podcast platform, your YouTube channel, wherever you watch House of Champions. That's where we make it happen. So on behalf of Of all of our producers, Nigel Rio Coker, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you so much for listening to the House of Champions. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform or on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're also available on the YouTube, so make sure you subscribe there. And we'll see you next time. Later!
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.